Hello, and welcome to the Truth and Grace podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and I want to thank you for joining me today. On Truth and Grace, we tackle tough topics in the Christian church, and we do it by strengthening believers through God's word and pointing to his abundant grace. I don't sugarcoat it over here, but I do hope to wrestle with the messy in grace. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask for your help. If you enjoyed this show, would you mind subscribing and leaving a review? By doing both, you greatly help this show in its visibility and just getting it out there to more people. So please consider helping with the subscribe and a review. In addition, consider becoming a Patreon supporter and help sustain this ministry through a monthly gift. You can learn more about that in my show notes. Now, today I want to talk about something a little bit different. You know, normally I tackle tough topics that maybe the church often avoids, misconceptions or myths within the church. I talk about leadership, and and this could be a little bit in that leadership vein, but I want to talk about the Enneagram. And specifically, I want to talk about being an eight female. Now, if you're a guy listening, please don't walk away because women eights are the most misunderstood of all types and combinations. And a lot of times men really misread us. I'm an Enneagram 8, and so I'm going to say us. Um, furthermore, sometimes men can feel threatened and discount um, a female 8's value. So I hope you'll stay and listen and maybe learn a few things that will give you a greater appreciation for the female challengers that you know. Now, I actually wrote a blog post on this topic, and it is the most read page on my site even more than my homepage. So there's obviously a lot of female eights out there wanting to know more. So you wanted it, you're getting it. Now, let me start off by saying, I hear you and I see you. If you're an Enneagram eight known as the challenger, I hear you and I see you. And I know it isn't always easy for us ladies. A lot of times for men who are eight, they're seen as confident and strong. And, you know, you see your eight male leaders and people celebrate that. But when they see these same characteristics in a woman, it's perceived as perhaps bossy or controlling, um, just to name a few words. And it doesn't always sit well with people. Same qualities, um, but because of the gender, it's perceived very differently. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about female eights we're going to talk about the day, uh, talk about that today. Now, I know for me, when I first learned I was an eight, a couple things went through my mind. I remember reading, you know, the description and thinking, wow, this is, this is me. It was talking about stuff I had struggled with over the years that I had struggled to give words to, or it talked about little things, um, that, you know, I saw in myself that finally brought some definition to who I was. It made some things clicked for me. But then I also thought, really? I felt a little embarrassed to be a woman known for being challenging and confrontational. It made me feel a little less feminine, a little less of a woman. Now, growing up, I was the oldest and only girl of four children. And I was often labeled bossy by my brothers and confrontational by my parents. After I gave my heart to Jesus as a teenager and I graduated high school, I stepped into vocational ministry. 16 years later, and I still have to work a little harder than most to flourish because so 
much of the external manifestations of being an eight don't always settle well with people, especially in ministry. You know, I've talked about this with my husband, but a lot of times when you see people going into ministry, they're nines, which are peacemakers, or they're two, they're helpers, because they like to help people. And those are kind of natural, ministry can lend to some of those natural things within a two and a nine that are really just normal and easy. And so you'll see, I particularly see a lot of nines in ministry, but eights, man, eights can have a hard time in ministry, especially women, because of just the misconceptions that can come with being an eight. I've had so many women eights reach out to me on my website, letting me know I'm a minister, you know, letting me know that they're in ministry and how hard it is as a woman and they feel mis- so misunderstood. And, you know, there's this perception that women should be s- submissive and quiet and meek. Am I right? And for a long time, while for a long time I tried to be those things, I was trying to be someone I wasn't. I've now learned to embrace the parts of me I once tried to hide because you, yes, um, there are great, uh, those are great attributes, right? But that doesn't mean every single person is going to be all of those things all the time. God created us all differently. And sometimes some moments when there's injustice call for boldness. And um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But as I began to really dive into what it meant to be a challenger, I began to settle into what that looked like. And I found a pre-appreciation for all the beautiful aspects of being an eight. Perhaps you've fought this personally, this description, or you've tried to hide traits you thought were a bit unlovely. You know, maybe you've struggled over the years to overcome people's perceptions of you that in no way matched your heart, right? Um, And you've likely been hurt over the years from words like bossy or rude or uncaring. Again, this is something I've faced, you know, even since I was a kid. And now, um, as an, especially ministry, this has been really, this has been a really tough journey for me. Like I said, I've had to work harder than most people because the external qualities of an A in a female are always appreciated or received well. So I've really had to, um, work extra hard, I think more than most people and most women to, to really, grow, yes, but also highlight the great things about an eight. You know, there was one um, experience in particular where I worked for um, a man and did not, did not um, think that the qualities of an eight and a female were reflective of what he thought a woman should be, especially in ministry. He was fine with women working for him if they were content being the, you know, administrative assistant or doing the children's ministry. You're not really having a lot of aspirations, but the fact that I, you know, did does, you know, had a gifting to teach and to minister in a capacity that he didn't think that women should be in. It really created a lot of um, just apprehension on his side towards me, not really wanting to use me in ministry. Um, not giving me the same opportunities as my male counterparts all on the same, same. Um, we had our same, you know, title on the end of our title was the same, but they got opportunities. I didn't. And there was just a lot of, um, there was just, yeah, not an appreciation. And I think a lot of it was just feeling threatened, 
feeling threatened by, and also just not what, you know, what he perhaps was taught growing up in the church about the role of women in church. And so still has some of that old school mentality and all to say it was miserable for me. I went home crying so much. Um, that experience as an, so as an eight, I tend to feel, um, not overly confident, but I can feel just confident in knowing who I am, who God created to me, what my gift, what my giftings are. But that experience really broke me down to a level where I doubted myself. I doubted my value. I doubted my worth. I doubted my calling. It was, it truly stripped me of so much value and worth that I had. And by the time I left, I was just, I felt like a shell of a person really questioning who I was and what my purpose was and like why I was in that situation and why I had had to go through that. And it was really deflating for me um, to the point where I really questioned, like I said, my value and my purpose. And I remember meeting with, um, after that experience, not long after meeting with, um, a pastor just of a church that I was a new church. I had started attending with my husband was not looking for anything, but just to attend. And the pastor kind of learned about my experience and my background and wanted to meet with me. And he asked me what my Enneagram was. And I told him, he's like, Oh my word. I love women who are eights in the church because those are people that, you know, will get things done. They advocate, advocate for the right things for people, their hearts for people. He's like, I just, I love women eights. And I remember sitting through that being like, this is the complete opposite of what I just went through. And it was so just like refreshing to know that like, not everyone is going to see me the way that I had been seen in that, ex that, you know, difficult experience that I had been through. But there are people who do see the value. And those are the people that you want to be around, right? And all to say is, I don't know if you're a guy or if you're someone who's not innate listening to this, which category you fall in. Um, you don't have to be threatened. You don't have to, you know, buy a female eight. You don't have to bring in maybe, I mean, I know a lot of us grew up perhaps with the mindset that women shouldn't be in ministry and, you know, the giftings, you know, are different and are limited and so forth. But like, I believe there's room at the table for men and women. And I believe that's the heart of Jesus. Jesus used women in the Bible all throughout scripture, even Old Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. God uses women to move the gospel and to move his kingdom forward. Amen. And so I don't know what category you fall in if you're like the person who is scared of or the person who embraces, but like be the person who embraces and you're going to bring out the best in the eight around you, honestly, like the more that you try to control and try to suffocate an eight, the more unhealthy they're like, the more unhealthiness is going to come out because they're just afraid and they feel like they don't have any control and they're feeling very like suffocated. And so it's really going to bring out the worst in them. But if you embrace their giftings and you embrace having them there, you're going to bring out the best in eights. And I'm telling you, when you get the best of an eight, wow, that's when things, man, things happen. So we'll get to that later. But I just want to say, like, I've, I've been through, you know, the valley of being an eight, but not everyone's like that. And I just know that it's not always easy to be an eight. 
okay? But there are wonderful things about being a challenger. When we lean into the healthy version of ourselves, parts of us come alive that make this world a better place. If you're a female eight, lean into these words and find encouragement from the journey ahead of you. Now, the challenger is considered the powerful, domineering type, right? They're self-confident, they're decisive, they're willful, they're confrontational, they're known to be independent, determined, and tough. Although if we admit it and allow others to see, we are softer softer on the inside than most people actually think they are. They just kind of see the confident, the tough side of us, but what they don't know is that on the inside, we're actually huge softies. Am I right? Um, now, while people often see these attributes primarily when an unhealthy eight operates from those places, they aren't who we really are, are they? I mean, none of us are perfect. We're all going to have bad days. But the the unlovely side of all of our personalities isn't who we really are, right? We're children of God. And these are parts of us that God has put in us to to of part of who we are and they lend to our calling and our purposes. Now there's, we're going to talk about kind of sort of what people perceive and, you know, what one person, just for an example, what one person sees as pride is our confidence, right? People might look at an eight and see a lot of pride there. And perhaps there is, I mean, I'm going to say off the bat because eights tend to be decisive and confident and tend to be leaders, they can lend themselves to pride. And so I think that this is an area that this is, you might have to watch out for. I know I've had to watch out for, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are prideful uh, when we're, when we're walking in confidence, right? Confidence in who God made us to be confidence in our calling and our giftings. Perhaps what is seen as a lack of emotion is us simply protecting ourselves. You know, sometimes we kind of shut down a little bit because we don't want to get hurt, right? But it doesn't mean that we don't feel anything or what is seen as plowing forward to to accomplish something is our drive for justice. Okay, eights love justice. They want to stand up for the underdog. They want to advocate for people like our heart is for justice. And sometimes what people see is plowing forward to achieve a goal. It's just hard drive for justice so that people don't have to get hurt. You know, in reality, we do care genuinely for people. And I think that's a misconception. They see us, you know, so getting things done, um, perhaps emotionalists at times plowing forward. They think that we don't perhaps care, but the fact is we do care genuinely for people very deeply, but we show that by encouraging them to be the best version of themselves. I remember when I learned that about an eight, so many things made sense to me. I remember like for a long time struggling with, you know, I'm not super great on a one-on-one counseling. I can do that. Um, you know, but for me, like I love to help bring about like, here's a path of growth, right? Um, and sometimes people just want you want to, to, you know, share all to say is, you know, there was times where I really thought like, oh, I'm not like that person over there who is super kind and gentle and, um, or I'm not like that person over there who, you know, is, 
just the sweetest person in the office. And like, anyway, I, I know I'm kind of beating around the bush, but I'm trying to put into words that for a long time I really struggled. Um, I, 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 I sometimes thought I wasn't a very good person, right? Because I wasn't like the sweetest person in the room or I wasn't, um, you know, always in the showing up for people time and time again. Like I'm not, I'm not a seven who can just like be there, you know, be friends with everyone. Like I'm more of an introvert, but all to say is like for a long time I struggled. And then I realized that like, no, like I do genuinely care for people. The way that I show that is by helping them be the best version of themselves. And I think for an eight, sometimes, you know, we struggle with our ability to maybe show up for people, but we just do that in a very unique way. And it's by, you know, cheering them on and championing them to be the best version of themselves. That's why everything I do, it's to help people not have to go through what I went through, not to have to learn the hard way. Like I learned the hard way. Like I want them to be the best version of themselves. You know, I might not be the most obviously empathetic person, just not, but I will go to bat for the underdog and fight for the rights of people any day. Like, and that's true for a lot of eights. We may not be the most obviously empathetic people, but we will go to bat for people. And we just want people to be the best version of themselves. That's how we help people. That's how we love people. You know, I might not be the best to counsel someone one-on-one, although I have gotten better over the years being in ministry for 17 years. Um, but I can take the word of God and communicate the gospel so that others will be strengthened. Like I've just learned that the way that I have, God has created me to help people is just different sometimes than other people. And that's okay. No, that's good. Like we're, we need all parts of the body, right? Now we may not be the meek and mild women that people think we should be, but God has a call on our life to make a kingdom impact. And I want you to know that. And I want you to believe that. God has made you an eight for a reason. And God has put things inside of you that the kingdom needs, that the whole body needs. But let's be real. These attributes about us are an excuse for poor behavior or a lack of growth, okay? Sometimes we can just say, well, that's just me. I'm an eight. That's that's my personality. Like that can't be an excuse for poor behavior, okay, or a lack of growth. We must take that determination that we have within us to be healthy and to be flourishing. And to do that, we must understand what makes us tick. Now, for an eight, our basic fear is being controlled. Okay. Every Enneagram number has a basic fear, like a core. And for eights, it's a fear of being controlled. And for me, that hits me at the core, like a bullseye. You know, I desire control if I'm honest. And it's not because I want power, but because I want to protect myself from being hurt. You know, by controlling the circumstances around me, maybe I can keep harm at a distance. And that's the thing about a lot of eights. It's not that we're out after you know, for power, it's simply because for AIDS, we're protecting ourselves. We don't want to get hurt. That's a lot of um, a core drive for us. And so we try to maintain control in circumstances so that we just don't get hurt. Now, as we all know, control can be a dangerous tightrope to walk. It can make us seem uncaring to the people around us. 
It certainly puts God in the backseat of our lives. And one of the most important things you will need to do to flourish is to learn to relinquish control to God and to others. To trust people with ideas and decisions and opportunities and to lean into God's strength. I have found 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to be so good for my soul. It's one of my favorite verses, and I'm learning so much from it, but it says this, but he, and this is Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul is saying, I'm going to boast in one thing, and that's to boast in Christ by boasting in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so Paul, he's not fighting his weaknesses. He's actually leaning into his weaknesses. I think as eights, we might fight our weaknesses because when we lean into weakness, we might feel like there's not a lot of control there. We feel like maybe we'll get hurt. And so we avoid that. But really, scripture tells us to lean into those weaknesses. I want you to operate. I want you to lean into your weaknesses. You know what? Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you aren't good enough. Maybe this isn't the thing for you. Whatever that might be, you know, for me a long time, it was fighting. I'm not good enough. And I remember one day, God, just the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, well, what if you aren't good enough? And I remember thinking, no, that's not, you know, like we're told that we're strong and we have everything that we need. And, you know, and then that's when God brought this verse to me and said, maybe you're not good enough, but I am. And learning and leaning to lean into my weaknesses, because when we, when you lean into your weakness, that's when the power of Christ, that's when the strength is made perfect as power manifest in your life. And so by leaning into your weaknesses, you're actually accessing strength from God that only can be accessed through leaning into your weaknesses. And when you do that, Christ is glorified and magnified. And so we want to be people who lean into our weaknesses because when we do that, we're, we're giving room for Christ to, to, to do his thing and to get the glory. And so I just encourage you to meditate on that scripture. And think about that and be someone who, you know, will sort of relinquish some control and rest in the weakness so that God can be glorified. Now, in addition to relinquishing control, you're going to have to learn to let people in. Even after you've been hurt, people will fail you. And that will be so incredibly hard on your heart. I know because sometimes it can be hard for us to trust people. Again, we don't like to be hurt. But you have to be brave enough to let people in again. Jesus said not to forgive seven times, but 77 times in Matthew 18, which means there's no justification for unforgiveness and for closing yourself off. When you've been hurt, learn to forgive and let people back in. I recently wrote an article for Crosswalk about how do you learn to trust someone again after they've hurt you. And so I'm going to put that article in the show notes so you can go read that. But just really talking about what scripture says about forgiving someone and learning to trust someone again. Now, here are some other ways that you can grow as an eight. You know, be willing to admit when you're wrong. 
or when you don't know the answer. And make sorry part of your vocabulary. It's okay and necessary for a healthy relationship, you know, to yield to others. So just be willing to, you know, be vulnerable and say, sorry, and I don't know the answer. And you're right. I was wrong. Like we have embrace some of that humility. Also be open to letting others into your inner circle. Life is better when done in community. I promise you that. I promise you that. Another is don't assert your will, but rather inspire others. Sometimes as an eight, when we get into operation mode and leading, we can potentially assert our will because we think, you know, we have this great plan and we have this vision and we know, but don't make it about asserting your will. Rather take the opportunity to inspire others, to inspire others. Also learn to channel your zest in healthy ways and be considerate of how that zeal might come across to others. You know, sometimes in your pursuit of getting things done, you might push people over. So include people in the process. This one has been a big one for me in ministry. Again, I can plow forward to get things done because I have the vision and, you know, I got the plan and I can move to get things done really well. Um, but sometimes in the past, I had maybe not considered other people in the process. And so I've had to learn to bring others along in the journey. And I want you to hopefully learn that as well. You know, Enneagram 8s also, they feel everything in their body. We're a part of the gut triad. We feel like physically, we feel things in our body. Like when I'm angry, like it's like this tension goes, it, like my whole body tightens up. Or when I'm sad, like my stomach physically feels sick. Like when, like my emotions are tied to my body, like I feel it. And I, and I, you know, I've heard a lot of other eights talk about that. A lot of eights will do very physical activities like boxing, kickboxing, something physical to work out. But, you know, we feel things in our body where the gut triad and, and we, and we're considered to be a personality that wrestles with anger. So I want you to learn to find ways to channel your anger into being productive, but not harmful to others, right? Um, now, when a challenger is healthy, so those were things to work on. But let's talk about like the, you know, the benefits, the value of a challenger. When a challenger is healthy, they inspire others to be the best version of themselves. Aids are incredible coaches and cheerleaders and champions of people like you, when you are healthy, will have this ability to inspire others to be the best version of themselves. Eights are also great natural leaders. We just are. We're great natural leaders. And, you know, again, that might come across the wrong way to some people who think that perhaps a female eight shouldn't be in leadership, but God has made you the way that you are to be a great leader when you're operating in a healthy way. Now I'm going to give a quick promo plug. I am releasing a leadership course for women um, in August 2020. So coming up here soon, I'll be um, prom promoting and releasing and opening up registration for my leadership course for women. Um, this is something that there isn't out there. It's what I've learned in 17 years of ministry. It's a very in-depth, very practical and spiritual 
course for developing your leadership skills as a woman. And so if that's something you're interested in, I'm going to put the link in the show notes to sign up for more information. And I'm going to give you a special discount code today. Um, now, if you take this discount code, um, write it down. And when registration opens, you share this discount code, you will get um, a discount off your um, course. And so if the discount code is Enneagram 8, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, and the number 8. So um, go check that out. Now, when a challenger is healthy, they also take care of others. You know, they're generous. They're very generous people. They they can be tender and empathetic. Um, a big aspect of when we're healthy is that we advocate for justice and equality. And we're able to support others and go to bat for people. Again, a lot of when we're healthy, a lot of who we are is for people. And that's such a big misconception about eights. But we are for people. Now, to my fellow eights, you will feel passion intensely. You will stand up for others and fight for the cause. You will lead and you will inspire. This world needs what you bring to the table. Offer it to the kingdom and allow God to use your fiery commitment for his purposes. If you're an eight, as we wrap this up, I would just encourage you to, you know, for a long time I struggled when I first found out I was an eight. I'm an eight. That sounds so, you know, unwomanly. But God has created you to be a woman and to be an eight for a reason. And there are parts of you that he wants to use for this kingdom. Now seek to grow in the areas of your weaknesses, but, and be the the healthy version of an eight and watch as God uses you in incredible ways in the kingdom of God. Like don't be discouraged about who you are. Like you are a gift, right? God has created you the way he has put the giftings and callings in you that he has put in you for a reason. And that is something welcomed at the table or that should be welcomed at the table. I would honestly love to hear your thoughts and experiences below. So you can leave a comment on, um, if you go to my website on this podcast episode, leave a comment. Let me know your own experience or what you think, or shoot me a message on the contact form. I want to thank, as we wrap up, my friend Lindsay Barnett for her in-depth knowledge of the Enneagram that she has shared with me. You can give her a follow on Instagram um, because she shares great Enneagram insight. I'm also going to link to her and some of my other favorite Enneagram resources in the show notes, so go check that out. Now that's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is ministering to you or you think others might find it interesting, please subscribe and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people besides you. You can also become a regular contributor to the show and Truth and Grace Ministries through Patreon, and you can find the link to my page in the show notes. Tune in again next month as we tackle tough topics in truth and grace. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.brittanyrust.com. See you next time.